Hi, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Um, so, like Pastor Greg said, I'm going to be talking about the book of Revelation today. Um, it was a challenge to prepare for this, I'm not going to lie. Um, I just want to cut, kind of, before we start, bring you guys into the process so we can kind of just all arrive at the teaching portion together. So, like Pastor Greg said, we're finishing the story of God and the last book of the Bible, as many people know, is Revelation. Now, I have a long history with the book of Revelation. Even before I was a Christian, I had a slight obsession with the book. My next door neighbors that I spent a lot of time with, they were really devout Christians, and they talked about Revelation all the time, especially in terms of what's called the rapture. Uh, put up your hand if you've heard about the rapture before. Okay, most people. Like, I think almost everybody knows about this idea. So I'm growing up as a kid. I don't know a lot about the Bible. My family aren't Christians. I go over for dinner, and they'd say things. They'd be like, oh, you know, let's go to the beach next week unless the Lord returns. And I'd be like, oh, like, okay. Like, and so, <laughs> or they'd be like, we're going to, I don't, I'm not making, I love them. I'm not making fun of them. But they had it always at the forefront of their mind. And so I grew up with sort of this paranoia about the rapture. And there's verses in the Bible, and Jesus would be like, two will be working in the field, and then one will remain. And I'd be picking apples, you know, in the summer, and I'd always be kind of looking over to make sure that I didn't. Anyways, so years go by. Um, I kind of forget about it. Um, you know, become a Christian when I'm 22. And uh, I'm working in Vancouver uh, as a construction worker for a glass company. And I get the pleasure of working with my best friend, Corey. And he's also a Christian. And so our job, we were working at Metrotown uh, at the Best Buy there. I don't know if you guys have seen it. But we were putting all the glass in along the, the ground floor. And what we would do is we would load a pickup truck, the back of it, with pieces of glass, drive it around, put them in, go back, around and around and around. So I like to talk a lot. Um, so I'm yapping away to my friend Corey. I was in the back of the truck, and I would pass the glass down to him. And so we're chatting away, and I'm talking about who knows what. And then I pass him a piece of glass, and then he's supposed to move it. And I turn around to get something else, and I turn back, and he is gone. And in my heart, I'm like, oh. I was like, oh. And the first thing, he's gone. Like, he was right there, and then he's just disappeared. <laughs> And I was, the first thing in my mind was like, shoot, I missed it. I did, I was like, I did something wrong and I have missed the rapture. And I'm like, this is all in the space of like three or four seconds. I'm in the depths of despair. I'm like, I've been a phony Christian this whole time somehow. And then anyways, like a split second later, he stands up. He had bent over to tie his shoe. And I did everything but like, but look down. I'm going like this. And so he sees my face, and he's like, what is wrong with you? And I say, oh, I thought the rapture occurred. And he's like, okay. So anyways, hopefully that doesn't happen now. Um, so yeah, Revelation, the last book of the Bible. I studied. I prepared. I'm an ambitious guy. I wanted to talk to you guys about so many things. Like I said, there's the rapture, there's the second coming, there's the letters to the seven churches. There is so much in the book of Revelation. And as I prepared, I literally did not make it past the title of the book. That is, I'm being serious. In my studies, 
in my prayer about what I was supposed to talk to you guys about today, I never made it past the name of the book. So what we're going to do today, we're going to just look at what it means, how just that one word, revelation, sets the tone for the book. So let's get started. So revelation is the title. It was written after Jesus, um, his time on earth, uh, by a guy named John. And I always assumed, I just learned this a little while ago, but I always assumed that Revelation was like a vision, okay? John was given this vision about things that were going to happen. But as I dug into it, and I looked into the root meaning of the word, the original meaning, I found this. Um, I'll just read it to you guys. So the last book of the Bible, really if it's translated properly, it should not be called the Revelation of John, but rather the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The Greek word, the original um, word for unveiling is apocalypse. The same word is translated uh, into revelation. So in the original Greek, the term apocalypse, which is what we think of as the end of the world, meant simply an unveiling. And anytime you see that word in scripture, it relates directly to the exact same concept of a bride on her wedding day walking up to her groom, and you guys know the moment they, they unveil. Does everybody get that? Okay. So this simple fact changed a lot about what I understood about Revelation. That John wasn't getting a special vision per se. He was getting a special way to see things, which was an unobscured, unfiltered vision of the things that were to come. Does that make sense to everybody? So John's revelation wasn't so much... Um, about what was going to happen. It was the fact that he could see it. And that was the gift that God gave to him specifically, that he was able to see what was to come. So, Revelation, like I say, it takes on a new dynamic when we see it in this light. And seeing God clearly, I think, is... Um, for me, it represents one of the main frustrations of being a Christian. I know at times when I'm feeling low... When I'm feeling confused, that's the sense that I get in my heart. It's like, I can't see you. I don't know what you're doing. Where are you? It's this feeling of loneliness and distance from him. Having an unveiled view of God immediately changes this. So that's what we're chasing today, this idea of unveiling. Check my notes. So, I think... When I consider it, and I'm in those moments, and I feel far from God, I often feel like it's him that's hiding from me. But as I read through and I studied for this, I was really encouraged, because time and time again, and you know, I've heard testimonies from my friends about this too, we have this moment where we realize he's been beside us all along. And it wasn't him that was hiding from us, but it was us that actually couldn't see him. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, puts it like this. The God of this age, meaning Satan, says he's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We have a spiritual blindness. We're naturally born with it. It's hard for us to perceive and to see God. We need to have the veil removed. If we want to feel close to him, if we want to understand him, we need to have that separation removed. Now, throughout Scripture, God did this many times. He talked to the prophets. Um, he spoke to Israel through his law. He made clear ways 
for them to experience him. But still because there was that barrier in between, that one step in between the people of God and God himself, they were prone to wander. They were prone to sin. And then God would come back and he'd say, you guys, I've been here the whole time. What are you doing? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, we forgot. And they just, they stopped seeing him. So how do we remove this barrier between us and Jesus? Well, what the Bible teaches is that our faith in him removes the veil in front of our eyes. Revelation in every sense is about seeing Jesus clearly. It's about a world that can perceive the king of glory without any obstruction. And it's the same for people right now. When somebody makes a decision to follow God, they see him in a new light. They understand him in an unobstructed way. A veil is, is ripped in front of their eyes. And they see that Jesus is the savior. He's the one that can provide them with a way to be with God. So... It's important to see Revelation in terms of the original meaning, the removal of something that stands in the way. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says this, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So look, whenever you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. John, like I read through Revelation again, and there's all these images and he's freaking out. He keeps falling on his face and he feels sick and he's begging for like mercy. And he just can't understand how amazing God is. The glory of God, the whole program of his salvation, Jesus Christ, his son, you know, the gospel, all those things, they're so difficult for us to comprehend because they're so unlike us. Yeah. We're so different from the way God is. We need to be made like him. And when we turn to him, the veil is lifted and we see him clearly. I think back to um, uh, the story of Exodus. I love the story of Moses and how he takes the Israelites out of uh, Egypt and he gets them ready to be a nation in the desert. And there's this one really cool part. He's at uh, what they call the mountain of God and God says, come on up. He's like, I'm going to talk to you. And Moses is like, he's like, well, I want to see you. And God's like, well, no, you can't. Like, you'll, you'll probably die. Like, I'm too intense for you. But Moses sort of persists or whatever. And so God says, I'm just going to, like, go by you really quickly. And just that one moment had such an effect on Moses that his face was literally radiating light. And so he had to go down when he went back to the Israelites to talk to them. He had to put a literal veil over his face because people were like, holy cow, like, they couldn't even be around him. This is what it happens to us when we see God with an unveiled face, okay? Are you guys with me so far? Okay, good. So, whenever we turn to God, the veil is taken away. This revelation, or this moment, it's important to understand that it's not something that we can really produce ourselves. Wherever you encounter this term of something being unveiled, a mystery being revealed in scripture, it's always from the direction of above. 
It's never humans being like, oh, I figured out salvation, or oh, I figured out God's character, or oh, I figured out his plan. It's always, without exception, from above. Jesus, or God, however you want to say it, he's always the one that unlocks these mysteries for us. Never the other way around. And I think this is important because it puts a dependency on him for salvation. It puts a, a direct need to cling to him and to be with him and to rely on him for these moments. Matthew 16, 17, Jesus says this. Oh, I went out of order there. Sorry, guys. Actually, yeah, I want to go there. The example of this is um, when Jesus is with his disciples at um, wherever he was. But he was talking and he said to his group, who do people say I am? They say, oh, well, you're like Elijah or you're like this or whatever. And then he gets to Peter. And Peter, he says, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And listen to Jesus' response. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Even our need to have, like, we can't even manufacture that moment. That's how dependent on God we are for salvation. Peter was blessed. He became the head of the church because he took that first step of faith. And he, in desperation, needed to know who Jesus was. And God blessed him and revealed it to him. So, revelation always comes from God, never from ourselves. Another example that I really like of this, or that highlights this, is the story of the road to Emmaus. So, if you have your Bible, um, you want to follow along, go to Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. Now, I want you guys to put yourself in this story, okay? Um, it just helps you understand you're going to be sort of walking down the the road, and I want you to just really put yourself into the story, okay? So let's get going. Now, this story begins, it's towards the end of the Gospel of Luke. All this stuff, like the cross, the resurrection, that stuff has all happened already. And the, um, the disciples are a little discouraged, like things didn't go down the way that they thought they would. So these two guys, they're walking to Emmaus, and let's pick it up at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He was disguised. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named uh, Cleopas, I don't know, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Basically, like, how could you not know, like, it was a major event. Like, how could you not know that? What things, Jesus asked, he's being a little tricky there. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. 
In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to see the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus uh, he said to him, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Important verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. So we'll just pause here. We're going to go on. Jesus encounters these guys on the road. They have the, the, like the gospel story fresh in their mind. And Jesus comes to them and interprets it for them properly. They would have been well-versed in the old stories, the Old Testament. And Jesus, what he does is he visits them, and then he locates himself in scriptures uh, and in prophecies. So they can see, actually, that there was value to what happened. They had given up already on the story of Jesus because they couldn't find who they thought he would be in there. But he finds them, and then, like it says, in beginning with Moses at the and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Uh, carrying on, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So just look at that progression. Eyes open, hearts burning, open scriptures. This is, I wanted to really share this story with you guys at the end of this series because I believe that this encapsul encapsulates what we were trying to achieve. That anywhere in scripture, all scripture is profitable. Anywhere you look, you can find him. You can find Jesus and some part of God's plan for salvation that has the ability to stir your heart. People can talk about and understand God. They don't have to be special. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do anything. It's a gift that God gives you. It's a spiritual revelation. Never be discouraged about your Bible reading. It's a little plug there. So, moving on. Mark 4, verse 22, Jesus says this, For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. This verse can be taken in a couple ways. It could be talking about our personal sin. There's a time when God says that he's going to reckon with that. But I also believe that that has to do with the plans and purposes of God, and more importantly, with understanding Jesus as our Savior. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Even when Jesus was walking around, doing miracles, healing people, people still couldn't perceive him. His um, disciples, they were slow to learn. They couldn't really understand what he was doing. They kept checking in, like, who are you, who are you? The Pharisees, they, that was their most common tact at, at sort of trying to discredit him when they challenged him. They're like, who do you say you are? They couldn't perceive who he was. When he was before Pontius Pilate, 
That was his question too. Who, do you, who are you? Who are you? Jesus, always in that moment, wouldn't shame people. He wouldn't say, you're so, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he would respond in a way like this. He would say, like, if only you could understand. If only you knew. If only you could see. He knew that their sin was blinding them from seeing who he really was. Ultimately, it's why they were able to crucify him. If they had really seen who he was, that would never have happened. So, a good example of this is the story of Philip I want to share with you guys. This is in the upper room. It's before Jesus is crucified. Um, this story always seems crazy to me. But anyways, Jesus, he just gives this. He says, I'm the way to the Father. I'll just read it. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So this is Jesus. He's saying that. What a beautiful phrase. And listen to Philip's response. Lord, show us the Father, and then that will be enough for us. So after everything that happens, Philip still, this is like, I, I'd do the same thing. I'd be worse, actually. <laughs> Philip says this, Lord, just show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Even when he was with Jesus, watching him, seeing everything, he still couldn't see who he was. He still had that veil. But I want you guys to understand that Philip asked this question before the cross. Okay? So we got to be a little bit easy on him. Jesus responded like this. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has also seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So you guys have probably experienced this, um, either yourself thinking it, or you know, if you're sharing the gospel, this is the response you get. I've heard this a thousand times. But people say, you know, I'll talk to them about my faith or what I believe, and they'll go, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. But if I could just see something, if I could only just see something, then I would believe. Put up your hand if you've experienced this moment. And you're kind of like, ah. And the temptation is, in that moment for me, is always like, why don't you do anything? I'm always like, why don't you just do something and save people? Why don't you just be blatant and overt for once? And I'm, I'm being serious. It's kind of, I get how I sound, but that's how I feel sometimes. It's so frustrating. I want people to know what I know. I want them to experience that salvation that I've felt. And sometimes I just, I, it drives me crazy. Why is he like this? Why can't he just do that? Am I the only one that, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, let me read this to you, 2 Corinthians 3.14. But their minds were closed. For to this day, the same veil remains at the reading of the Old Covenant, uh, the Old Testament. It has not been lifted because only in Christ can it be removed. The veil remains because only in Christ can it be removed. People that are Christians, if you're not a Christian, I'll just talk about this for a second. People that are Christians are so gaga about Jesus because they've caught a glimpse of him. Not a full vision yet, but they've caught just a little glimpse of, them, of him, of who he is, of what he provides. And they talk about him, and they love him. They say, oh, if only you knew. And it's so frustrating. I remember before I was a Christian, I would be polite when people preach to me uh, for a certain time. But then after a while, I'm just an outspoken kind of guy. And so I'd be like, 
I'd be like, stop talking to me about this. It's so frustrating. Like, you just talk about all the time about something that you love and how you feel and blah, blah, blah. It's all about you. And I could never get to that moment. But I wasn't with Jesus. So I had a veil over my eyes. I want to, as I was preparing this, I kept getting brought back to the moment when I became a Christian. Again and again, as I was preparing and praying, God just kept bringing me back to the moment where, when I first believed. And I just want to share a little bit of that with you guys right now, because I think it can sort of help illustrate my final point. So, like I said, I knew about Jesus growing up. I heard the gospel thousands of times. I went to church a lot with my grandparents, with my best friends. I even had a Bible. I, I had all that kind of stuff. I heard the gospel again and again and again. And it always just bounced off. And I wanted, in a sense, there was times when I had a, like a sincere desire to become a Christian. I thought, you know what? These guys are so serious. Like, maybe I should give it a try. But it never stopped. And I would approach and retreat, approach and retreat. And then I became a teenager, and I really retreated away. And uh, I got further and further from God, and more and more indifferent towards Him. And then around the time that I was 20 or 21, a series of events happened in my life that really brought me to a terrible place. Some people that I loved really dearly passed away in a short amount of time. It was like, it just seemed like I was going to funerals like all the time. And even to this day, it was like when my phone rings in the night, I'm just like paranoid because of that sequence when it was just like, it's this person, this person, this person. People I loved dearly, just gone. And it brought me to a place of extreme bitterness with God. And I was like, what is this? Like, I heard people talk about how good he was and how awesome he was. And then I saw the way the world was. And I was like, it does not add up. There's a gap between what you say, you say and what I see. And I just couldn't get into it. But as time went by, I got more and more frustrated. But at, sorry, more and more frustrated, more and more curious. Um, I, I needed to know. After my grandfather passed away, I sat with him as he died. And uh, the last thing he said to me, he held my hand, he looked into my eyes, and he said, I'm going home. And he had a look of peace on his face. And he said, I'm going home, I'm going home, I'm going home. And I watched the life, you know, anyways. I left that room, and the thought in my mind was, if I was dying, I have no idea where I'm going. I have no clue. And it, it, it triggered something in me. And I saw the peace in his eyes. I saw that he knew something that I didn't. He had seen something that I didn't. He understood something about the gospel that I didn't. And it really frustrated me. I was angry with God. So I... I attacked Christians, like verbally, not physically. <laughs> yeah. But I attacked what they believed in. I attacked what they held dear. I attacked church and given money. You know what I mean? All those things. I was vicious to them. And then one day, my grandfather, who was still alive, I, was, I worked on the road in those days. And um, as I was leaving, he said, you should read the book of Proverbs. That's all he said. He didn't preach to me, he didn't talk to me. He said, you should read the book of Proverbs. And so out of boredom and frustration, I guess, um, I took a Bible with me as I went on the road. I was working in Kamloops at the time, and I found myself one evening 
um, after work reading the book of Proverbs. And as I read through it, um, I realized more and more how far I was from the things that the Bible talked about. And I was basically, the book of Proverbs, if you haven't read it, it's, it's called a book of wisdom. And so it gives you ideas of how to live to be a godly person. And as I read, it was like a reverse checklist. I was like, oh, no, I did that one. I did that. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> and I just got this feeling in my brain. I was like, if this is true, I know where I'm going. I'm not going home. If this is true, I know exactly where I'm going. And it scared me. And so you know what I did? I, I reached out to Jesus. I, I just, I don't know what I said. I was just like, you got to show me something, basically. The exact thing I told you not to do. But I didn't know what else to do. I closed my eyes and said, if you're real, just show me. Okay, just show me. And I closed my eyes. And that was all that I prayed. And I opened it, and nothing was different. And I was disappointed again. But I went to sleep. This is a crazy part of my testimony. But I went to sleep. And in my dream, I had this, like, vision, okay? My best friend had become a Christian earlier, and he was there with me. And in the dream, things were just spiraling out of control. And it was dark, and there was clouds, and I was scared, and my heart was beating, and I felt so alone. And I looked over at my best friend, and he was lying peacefully. And I wanted that feeling. And so in desperation, in this dream, I cried out, help! And it was like this hand, like, snatched me up. And all of a sudden, I was standing face to face with this, like, bright kind of, like, thing. And it was just this impression that I got in my heart that... This was Jesus. He had somehow heard me, answered my prayer, and I was seeing him in a way that I'd never seen him before. And in that moment, he let me know that if I followed him, if I trusted him, that I would not face judgment at the end of my life. Even though I was still a sinner and I still had to deal with those things, because of what he did, I'd be able to go home. And so I reached out and you know, I thought I was going to do this, but in the dream, I couldn't move. And instead of me reaching out to him, he reached out to me and put his hand right here. And I'll never forget the feeling as long as I live. I woke up, and it was morning. And I was like, what? <laughs> my boss was knocking on my door, and he's like, come on, it's time to go to work. And I'm like, I think I just became a Christian. And he's like, get in the car. And I'm like, <laughs> so <laughs> he didn't care. He really didn't care. He couldn't care less. But I'm tripping out. I'm like, it, it happened. The thing that I thought. But I want to go back, guys. Let's go back to the road to Emmaus, okay? Verse 31. Their eyes were open. Didn't our heart burn within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scripture to us? So I can testify to you today personally that that happened to me. When I opened the book of Proverbs, my heart was stirred within me. God opened something to me. I had a revelation. I saw him in a way that I had never seen him before. And it changed my life. Now, like I said, Revelation, it's a big book. We could talk about it for weeks. But what I want to challenge you guys with today, and what I want to make room for in this moment, 
is for you to ask yourself how you see Jesus Christ. Do you see it through the eyes of media, through experience, through another person's experience? How do you see him? Have you turned to him? Will you put yourself out there and consider the cost of rejecting Jesus Christ? It's not for me to stand here and wag my fin finger at you and say, you know, you got to repent, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that. I think of the way that Jesus reacted when people rejected him. He said, if only, if only you knew, if only you understood what I have to offer you. And that's the message that I hope our church can convey to this, this school, this city. If only you knew. If only you could see what we've seen. We're not putting ourselves forward as experts on the Bible or Jesus or anything like that. You have to be humble. But if you come to Jesus sincerely, he'll respond. He'll show you something. I want to share this verse with you. Psalm 51, verse 17. It says this, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The only thing God wants from you, not your money, your activities, your works, nothing. You know what he needs from you? Is your heart in a humble and broken state. His body was broken on the cross. The veil ripped. A barrier was taken away. Yeah. An unveiling occurred. Yeah. If it wasn't for that moment, we couldn't perceive and see Jesus in that way. So... It's available to you. I can help you. People here can help you. We want you to experience that same thing. It's a spiritual transaction. You can't make it yourself. These things come from above. You can't logic somebody into believing in Jesus. They have to turn to him. I'm going to read this one more time. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. What God can do with a broken heart is amazing. I want you guys to think about it like this. If you were a farmer and you wanted to plant crops, you couldn't just whip the seeds onto hard soil. Yeah. You have to actually break that earth and rip it and put the seed deep inside. It's the same with our hearts. If our hearts are made of stone, they're closed off, the seed of the gospel bounces off every time. A broken heart, one that's been ripped open, one that's been humbled, it's a perfect bed for the seed of the gospel to grow into something you won't even be able to imagine. So uh, Johnny and the, you guys can come up. So Revelation. Like I said, I had big ambitions when I started this. Um, we are going to talk about everything. But I want to leave you guys just with the first word of the book and to ask yourself, how you see Jesus. So maybe, Pastor Greg, you want to come up? Thank you, guys. Isn't that powerful? What a perfect way to end a series on God's Word than to say that none of this is going to make sense without God revealing it to us. I was reminded as I heard you, thank you so much, Colin, 
in uh, Matthew, it's repeated elsewhere. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Um, we have all kinds of interpretations about who we think God is and what he thinks about us and how he, we think he should rule the world or be alive in our lives. We have lots of judgments, lots of opinions. And I think that God would say to lay down those and to say, would you teach me? Would you help me know you? God, I pray for my friends here today that would you please lift that veil off of our eyes? Areas where we feel thoroughly defeated, like we'll never change, nothing will ever change. Would you pull back that veil? As we look into the future and we just see more of the same or even worse, would you pull back the veil? As we look at you with suspicion and doubt and criticism, we need you, please, Father, pull back the veil. Show us in your word, by your spirit, who you really are. And as with Moses, just a glimpse of you would forever change our lives. And so we seek you, trusting that you have made yourself visible to us. And we want to see. <laughs>